Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have come out this week. Let's talk about a big one out from Marvel, Heroes Reborn, number one, written by Jason Aaron, art by Ed McGuinness. Now, this is not the Heroes Reborn you're thinking of. This is not the event from back in the 90s. This is in your mom's Heroes Reborn. It's also not your dad's. Yeah. Or your grandpa's. Or your uncle, who hopefully treats you nicely. <laughs> There's definitely a backstory there, but instead, this is another <laughs> alternate universe type riff where something has been changed in the past. You find out what it is over the course of the book, and the only person who remembers the real history of the Earth is Blade as he wanders Blade. around trying to gather back the Avengers. Uh, meanwhile, everybody has forgotten themselves. The Squadron Supreme are the greatest heroes on Earth. Pete. What did you think about this? This is uh, crazy because it's like, I was like, is Marvel's not like making fun of DC, right? Like, because there's like Wonder Woman and Batman stuff here. And like uh, the Superman has like a Robin mask on. And I was a little like, this is did crazy. You, we uh, read, you remember who, and I'm not trying to talk down to you. You remember who Squadron Supreme is, right? Like we did a whole podcast about them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they've been around for a while. And they yeah. always have been a DC riff. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm just saying, like, here, it's, I felt it a little bit harder okay. than I have Okay, before. I see what you're saying. Uh, but I tell you what, like, Doom as, uh, you know, uh, what you call it here is... Jugger Doom? Yeah, Jugger Doom. Uh, oh, Dr. Or, Juggernaut, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, it should be Jugger Doom. Um, or, like, Doom Bot, Jugger Not, I don't know. But... Um, just so much fun to see. Uh, Ed McMinnis's art is just uh, glorious. Uh, you know, I love his like battle scenes and battle sequences. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's over the top. It's action packed. It's very interesting to see where this is going to go. I, I think this is fun. This is a popcorn greatness. I agree with you on the popcorn thing. I think there were a couple of things that were holding me back initially about it. One was the Heroes Reborn title, which felt like, uh, are we going to this well again? What are we yeah. doing here? Yeah, yeah. So I almost wish it was called something else because it doesn't seem it to be connected. Be Blade Nose. You know? <laughs> Blade Nose. Ooh, that's really good. But you might think it was talking about Blade's nose. No. Or something. No? 
No, it would all anyway. be misspelling. So there is that. The other thing is I have read one Kabillion stories, and in fact, probably in the past couple of years, even, where it's just... Why don't um, you fucking brag a little bit more, Cornell? No, I'm saying I we read have read so one... Much I've read stuff. a lot of books. I've read a lot of books, Pete. I've read We've Cornell read so library. many comic book stories where it's, the world has been changed because somebody in the past did one thing, and now there's a bunch of mashups of heroes and villains that you didn't know before, and the heroes have to come back from it, but only one of them remembers. And I've read this a million times. One million times. But the things that make these sink and swim, and the reason this swims here is, like you said, Ed McGinnis's art is great. Jason Aaron knows how to write a fun story. That's a the, good writer. And the mashups have to be good. It's like with Dark Knight's Death Metal, where the thing that made that work is you're reading it, and you're like, this is stupid in exactly the right way, and they know exactly what they're doing. Well, and that's to, the thing. Go, it's, yeah. it, it, because with Dark Knight's Death Metal, we're in on the joke. You know what I mean? Where it's like... With this, I was like, are, are we are we making fun or is this just cool? Like, I was a little like, who whose side are we on? Whereas Death Metal, it's like, we're turning to 11. It's fucking metal superheroes, bro. Each issue is going to be a sick collab that you've only dreamed about, you know? Where uh, this is a little different. So I can understand a little bit of your hesitation. This, to me, though, feels like... And I could be wrong. I haven't read anything about it. You could be wrong. But it feels to me like this was a arc of Avengers that got changed into an event. Because what Jason Aaron has been doing has been doing these basically mini events with ridiculous over-the-top premises yeah. in Avengers the entire time. They've been super fun. This feels totally in line with that. So if you've been enjoying Avengers, I think you will enjoy this as well. Just don't necessarily think about it as the next big Marvel event. Instead, think about it as a fun story that a good team is telling. There you go. There you go. Let's talk about a great book, though. The Good Asian, number one, from Image oh, Comics, oh, written man. by Pornsack Pinishot, art by Alexandra Tefenke. This is a riff on old... Chinese detective noir stories like Charlie Chan. They talk about it a little bit of the back matter, but setting it in a realistic way, because those stories were mostly Caucasians telling stories about Asian detectives to Caucasian audiences. Here, they're telling it from the perspective of this was a very bad time for Asian people in America. It unfortunately is paralleled with the fact with right now is also a very bad time for Asian people in America, but that makes it all the more relevant while you're reading it. It's gorgeous art that's very reminiscent of, I would say, Darwin Cook in particular. Yes. And... The story is great. It's an evolving, interesting mystery. I really, excuse me, I really like this. What did you think, Pete? Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, first of all, it's fantastic on many levels. There's all the historical references. There's all the kind of like, there's a lot of layers to what's going on. But also what's very cool is the characterization, the person that like we kind of see a little bit in the background in the beginning, but we don't know is kind of the main character. He has this really cool scar that I'm sure we'll get to know what happened later. But also I love they do this panel where it's like a close up of the detective's eye and like has this like different color thing around his eye and then on what he's looking at. Mm -hmm. So, like, the way the kind of detective is analyzing this scene as we're watching it, and it is just such a cool way to show us 
what how he is piecing things together as he's kind of like propped up smoking a cigarette against the wall. It is fantastic, and I think it works so perfectly in comics. Like, uh, it reminds me a little bit of like uh, the Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr., where you kind of like got to see like everybody's how- favorite Sherlock Holmes. Fuck you, all right? Regardless of what you liked about it or didn't like about it, there's a part where he kind of breaks down what he's looking at, and I've never seen that in comic book form that made so much sense, that was Mm -hmm. kind of like split second. Like, this person is not only crazy smart, but also knows how to read people. I I just was really impressed with all the information just in kind of like the panels. And the panels are so well-designed. The artwork's unbelievable. The storytelling really flows, and you get so much information in this first issue. And the back matter is really powerful and amazing. I, I've, from top to bottom, really, really impressed with this comic. Cannot recommend this enough. If you're going to pick up one comic, let it be this one. Great quote to end it on. Let's move on and talk about the Invincible Red Sonia number one from Dynamite, written by Jimmy Pomiati and Amanda Connor, art by Moritat. It's a great team, and I think that's in. And I don't mean this as a slight, though. This sounds like a slight. That's the best thing you could say about it because it's a Red Sonia book. She gets in a bunch of trouble. She fights a bunch of people. She kills a bunch of people. She gets in worse trouble by the end, but. This is such a good team, you know exactly what you're getting going into it, and it delivers on that promise in the best way. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it. I mean, because these two, uh, they've worked on Harley Quinn. They're kind of familiar with kind of like over-the-top, bigger-than-life characters and kind of have fun with the Red Sonja character and I think, all the right ways. And, uh, yeah, a fantastic art, a lot of fun action, um, yeah, I was, I, we've read a bunch of Red Sonja stuff and this was, uh, very creative and had like a lightness to it than, uh, Amanda and Palmiati bring, uh, to stuff. And, uh, I, I thought this, you know, sometimes with uh, books like this, it's, it's too much TNA and, you know, not, not a real enough story or whatever to it kind of, it's just like, okay, I see what this is, but this is done really well. And, uh, it, it, you're kind of in on the joke. So it feels good. Well, uh, to that end, if anybody is curious because they have a lot of different modes, but they're well known for Harley Quinn. It's not like that. It's not over the top joking TNA. It's more in the mode of, I would say Jonah Hex, honestly, ex- except with Red Sonia. And I really like that a lot. So I'm excited for where this run goes. I think it's going to be good. Um, Moritat's art, as we mentioned, is really gorgeous and perfect for the book and perfect for yeah. the tone. Uh, so this should be fun to follow. Next up, Eve, number one from Boom Studios, written by Victor Lavelle, art by Joe McYoung. This is about a little girl who's growing up with her father in a post-apocalypse, but there's a bit of a twist. I'll spoil the twist here. She actually has been in stasis the entire time and has to go find her father and somehow potentially return the world to its normal shape, along with an android who is currently in the shape of a teddy bear, Pete. Mm -hmm. You had to like that, in particular, the teddy bear. You like that, right? I mean, you know, it depends. Sometimes teddy bears can be really creepy. I think Mm -hmm. this was really done well. Like, you get to see this uh, father-daughter duo, and then it's just before this kind of 
daughter's got to learn about the real world that she's actually in and what's going on. And it is tough. But they made the choice to kind of like have her uh, teddy bear from her childhood like break this awful news to her, which was like such a interesting, cool choice that I think like a father would make. So I I really appreciated that. And I'm I think that this is like creative and cool enough and like in such a unique kind of post-apocalyptic world that like I, I I'm really impressed with the the moves that it's making. Not only is it like creative art-wise, but the storytelling is very cool. And uh yeah, I thought this did a great job first issue, kind of throwing you into this world. Uh, uh, and you're kind of discovering these things with the main daughter character, Eve. Uh, I think it's a, a fantastic first issue. And I get most of my news from teddy bears, so it really jived up with my personal life as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Next up, The Swamp Thing, number three from DC Comics, written by Ram V, art by Mike Perkins. Ooh, boy, this series is real good. I feel like we're going to disagree here, but... I love this take here. We have a new Swamp Thing who's figuring out his powers, figuring out what's going on. And this issue, he tracks the woman who's trying to help him inside the green. We get some new riffs on Poison Ivy and what's been going on with her, on old characters that tie into Swamp Thing mythology. This is great. It's not quite at this level yet, but it strikes me a little bit like... Immortal Hulk, but for Swamp Thing in a certain way. Uh, And it has the possibility of getting there. Again, not quite there yet. We're only three issues in, but it's the same sort of lens on the mythology of Swamp Thing and reevaluating it that I think is really smartly done. And Mike Perkins' art is stunning throughout. Yes, agree. The art is fantastic. I do, uh, I like the take on Ivy in this book. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on in this, uh, in this issue. Um, and I really love the, the, the way the art is leading this story. Uh, I really love the way the panels are set up. This is a kind of like interesting to see this new, cause even the characters in this comic are commenting like, all right, here we go. Another swamp thing, uh, avatar. What's this fucking guy's deal? Um, so I, I'm very interested to see, like, once we kind of get this out of the way, where this is going to go. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's got a great setup. So I'm excited to see how this all unfolds. Oh, Pete, always looking to the next thing instead of what is in front of you right now. Enjoy the time we have, Pete. Enjoy the time we have. The Last Witch, number five for Boob Box, written by Connor McCreary, art by VV Glass. Now, if you haven't checked it out, we talked to Connor McCreary on last week's live show sure all about did. The Last Witch, and it was a great chat, so definitely tune in for that. But this is the end of what should be the first arc of the oh, book. Man. We're ending it with a climactic battle against a witch. Not necessarily The Last Witch, but a Last Witch, if you will. What do you think about this? I know you've been a big fan, Pete. Yeah, this continues to be really creative in all the right ways. Like, just when you think, like, okay, all right, I think I understand what's going on. There's, like, some really interesting stuff with the kind of, like, other kid that's the same age as kind of our main character. Um, So, and especially with, like, he's there to help and the grandmother specifically sent him there to help. But there's, like, some crazy, like shading where it's like is this dude evil like who's really pulling the strings on this dude um 
Yeah, I just, I can never get enough for this book. It's really, it's drawn like a kind of like a nice fluffy cartoon, but like there's some really fucked up crazy shit happening, uh, which is a nice kind of just of his, uh, just position. Just in position. Uh, you know, let's not talk about that guy, but, uh, hopefully he's alive and out of the mountains and okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I continually impressed with this book. It's really fantastic. The double page, uh, page spreads with all the witch battles are fucking glorious. And I can't get enough of the grandma. This is just, uh, continues to be a fantastic book. Let's talk about Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha from Marvel, written by Charles Soule, art by Steve McNiven. This is kicking off the biggest event that Marvel has done with the Star Wars books. It's going to go over a miniseries, spinoffs, the main books as well. And the kickoff is that Boba Fett is trying to take Han Solo, frozen in carbonite, back to Jabba and runs into some big problems along the way. And beyond the fact that Charles Soule at this point really knows his way around a Star Wars comic book, beyond the fact that Steve McNiven draws the hell out of absolutely everything, this is just such a smart point in Star Wars continuity to be playing with that I never in a million years would have pinpointed. Because watching the movies, you're like, oh, he leaves Cloud City, and then he delivers Han Solo. The end. That's it. But of course there's time traveling in space there where things could have happened, and I I love that. I, I really had a blast reading this book. It was so much fun. I enjoyed it. What'd you think, Pete? Yeah, I think they did such a great job of, like, in between kind of moments that we know, exploring, like, how important and how crazy, like, this thing of, like, getting Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt and, like, who would be interested in this and, like, I, I, yeah, I'm really, I thought this was amazing. The art's unbelievable, of course, but, like, such a cool action sequence of like, all right, what do I got to do? Okay, I got to join. <laughs> I got to fight for my life. All right, yeah, Mortal Kombat styles. Let's fucking do this. Yeah, it was great to see the fat whooping ass. And uh, yeah, I this was really a lot of fun. Uh, this this is an amazing book, and the team is unbelievable. It also feels stylistically consistent with The Mandalorian as well. So I'm sure there are people who have just checked out The Mandalorian and haven't really watched many other Star Wars things. So it's the sort of thing that, like, what? if you watch the show and enjoy the show, or maybe you've been out of Star Wars for a while, you could jump into this book and get right into it. Cool. It's possible. And I'll tell you what, Pete, you know, there's something I've always wondered about. What's that? Uh, how does Boba Fett shave? What are you talking about, dude? Like, when nobody else is around... Down there. How does he shave down there? Why would you think about that? You know, in his old Sarlacc pit, you know what I'm talking about? Oh! Why why are you just spending free time thinking about these things? I'm just saying, if Boba wanted to get a shave closer than Han and Luke escaping the Death Star, he might want to try out the just-released... Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer from Madscape.com. Oh, I see what you're doing here. That was smooth. That was really well done. Right when we're talking about the comic, too, you just slipped it right in there. Thank you. Thank you. It's another one of my seamless ad transitions. Uh, This week's episode is brought to you by... (laughs) 
<laughs> Manscaped.com and the new Lawnmower 4.0. It's got advanced ceramic blade and skin safe technology to help keep your testicles smoother than smooth Yoda. What? That is gross, man. <laughs> Pete, read the script. Smooth Yoda is gross. <laughs> Tell you what, folks, Pete does not feel comfortable saying the word testicles, but that is exactly what the lawnmower for is going to shave down for you. Right, Pete? I guess so, man. <laughs> and uh, thank you for reading that line exactly as written. I appreciate it. Well, it's nice do. when you, you yell at me, read the script. That makes it seem real, real smooth, man. Smooth like how your balls are going to be when you use the lawnmower four. I'll tell you what, it has a four thousand K LED spotlight, allows you to use you different need that. You what? don't need that light when you're working down there. It's important I, to have. Be able I'll to tell see. you what, I'm terrified, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more scared than womp rats being fired oh. at. <laughs> oh boy! By Luke on Tatooine. No, right? we got, we got it. You got, it? got it. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, the lawnmower makes it okay because it's got that 4,000K LDD spotlight. It allows you to use different guard lengths if you're going to go more Ewok than Wookiee. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what, I thought about that one for a little while because are they different hair lengths? I'm not 100% sure. I, I, I couldn't know. think of like somebody with like a nice smooth shave but still sort of hairy in the Star Wars universe. But that's what the Lawnmower 4 is going to do for you. Uh, and it's even waterproof if you try to take it to Dagobah and drop it in a swamp oh. or something. I don't know. I'm running out of Star Wars jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many did you have to begin with? Not a lot, Pete. I didn't have a lot. Uh, if you want your balls to be as hot and round as a thermal detonator, oh get yourself God. the lawnmower for right now. And good news, you? get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code FANSIDED20. Lock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Go, man. Cool. Shave your nuts, people. <laughs> Hey, thank you for also reading that line as written, Pete. And now back to the comic book reviews. Not Terra, right. number three from Image Comics written Did you by Scott. Not Terra? <laughs> Don't pronounce it weird. Uh, knock, knock Terra. Thank you, thank knock, you. Knock Terra. Number three from Image Comics written by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel. This is continuing the shadow of a world that's been plunged into darkness. Hey, you know, they could really use that light. From the Manscaped. Oh <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, anyway, they were plunged into darkness. Uh, people are being turned into human shades. What I am loving about this book, which is very typical in the best way of a Scott Snyder book, uh, is the human element that he's bringing there with all the wild ideas. You know, he teased this very specifically, like he laid out this entire issue for us yeah, when he, he was on the live show a couple of weeks back. And he probably but shouldn't have, but he did. But he did anyway. And it's so awesome to see and hear everything uh, that is going on here anyway, because the way that it plays out ties so well into the emotional growth of the characters, it's completely worth it. The action by Tony S. Daniel is awesome. What's your take, Pete? All right, well, first off, uh, Scott said something on our show that I can't get out of my head. He said I wanted to make something for my daughter. And this book, as I'm reading it, I was like... I don't know, man. This is a fucked up book. Like, there's a lot of crazy shit going down. Like, I understand what he was saying, but also, like, um, I, I'm, 
worried about like the death and like, you know, uh, who's going to make it through this or not. Um, so I'm worried about him scarring his children is what I'm really mm-hmm. worried about. But this comic is action packed, phenomenal arts, unbelievable. The, the storytelling keeps getting better and better with every issue. We're finding out more and more. Um, the villain is so badass in all the right fucked up ways. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, this is just a, a, just a glorious badass book that just continues to kind of like the main character just plowing down the road in this, uh, jacked up fucking 18 wheeler. It's, it's bananas. Such a good book. Definitely pick it up. Next up, Batman number 108 from DC Comics, written by James Tynan IV, art by Jorge Jimenez, and, excuse me, Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. Here, we're finally getting some answers in this issue. You're, What'd you're you think, right? Pete? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, I'm just hiccuping a lot. Oh, okay. It's all drinking, catching up with you. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, now I'm feeling, I'm feeling the vodka. All right. Miracle Molly. We get her. It's a what an intro. A new character like these. Uh, we're getting a lot of new characters in this Batman book. This is exciting. Uh, it's kind of. <laughs> I'm starting to think we need Justin to keep us on the rails. Is this true? Yeah, yeah I think it is. Uh, we're, okay. Yeah, we're kind of a, a tripod. We're wobbling here without our third <laughs> leg to stabilize us. But, uh, you know, I like this idea of Batman trying to go back to old matches, Malone, and mm-hmm. it not working because. Uh, it's younger people are smarter disguise. than we are. Yeah, yes. and uh, and but uh, it was kind of cool to see the world through Miracle Molly's eyes, and to kind of have Batman literally take a back seat and kind of hear this person kind of describe Gotham, which I really enjoyed. This like new perspective was very refreshing to kind of get on this situation. So I thought it was a really cool, it's not like a break in the action, but it was nice to kind of have this kind of like other uh, person kind of give us a perspective on Gotham. Um, I, well, yeah. I think, I think it's James paying off on the premise of what he said a couple of issues back. A lot of people throughout the history of Batman have said, Gotham has changed now. Gotham is totally different. It's never really changed. It's never really totally different. But what he's doing here is he's challenging Batman's preconceived notions about what Gotham is and what it can be. He's working at a lot of social issues in terms of the 1% and how that reflects on people and making Bruce Wayne learn a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see how much it sticks long term necessarily. But I really like the stuff that they were talking about this issue and the gradations He's giving the villains here because there's a difference between Scarecrow, who is a nightmare person right now, just lurking around Gotham and what's going on with the Unseen Collective, where they're just trying to challenge the status quo in a way that feels very concurrent with what's going on in our world. So it's very smartly written. And I also really like the Black Ops story with Ghostmaker, which has a very different tone to it and is fun as well. Yeah, agreed. And the art is really great and fun for that as well. Next up, die number 16 from Image Comics, written by Kieran Gillen and art by oh, Stephanie man. Hans. In this issue, we're getting a Cthulhu H.P. Lovecraft-style riff as some yeah. of our characters travel to the center of Die to stop things, try to find out what's going on. I'm not 100% sure of what's happening in this book, but it's very pretty, and I like reading it. Yeah, and like also like... 
the reveal of what that island is, it's like the fingertip of this giant like person under the sea was so amazing and like unbelievable spoilers. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, this continues to be just an amazing book. And the farther we're kind of the deeper we get into it, the more creative and uh, uh, fantastic it continues to be. I am very much enjoying this book. Uh, each issue has been really uh, phenomenal, but this kind of like really gives us a, a kind of we're spending more time with the characters and kind of getting their takes and stuff. So, yeah, I'm I'm continue to be impressed with this book. Next up, Suicide Squad number three from DC Comics, written by Robbie Thompson, art by Eduardo Pensica. I've been really enjoying this one a lot, and I'm not usually a huge fan of Suicide Squad. But here, as usual, with the Suicide Squad, things are going very wrong. People do not trust Amanda Waller. They're trying to figure out what she's up to. In this case, Peacemaker has a bone to pick with her. Uh, But the thing that's really interesting here is Superboy is in the mix. We don't know exactly why. I think Robbie Thompson is writing this very well, and Warner Ponsica is drawing some good superhero, supervillain art. Pete, what do you think? Well, here's the thing. Like, Peacemaker is John Cena in this book, and so, yes. like, it's very interesting to kind of have that before we see Peacemaker in the movie. So I'm kind of like, each issue, I'm like, oh, man, I'm pumped for Peacemaker. And this issue, I'm a little like, man, I don't know. What's, is Peacemaker, like too much of a like type a personality like i don't know uh but um one thing everybody can agree on is waller's an a-hole mm-hmm. and uh and this art is phenomenal and this is a fun team so this continues to be a good book i agree next up beasts of burden occupied territory number two from dark horse comics written by evan dorkin and sarah dyer art by benjamin dewey this is continuing a flashback title for our pet investigators Things get very dark, very weird, and very disturbing and scary in this issue as they travel through, it seems like, some sort of Japanese fairy tales, perhaps. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, But this is a a pretty violent book with some cute dogs, uh, but I like it quite a bit. Yeah. Pete, Uh, LePage, your take. Over to you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, mm-hmm. Alex. I'll take it from here. Great. Uh, so, yeah, I still don't know why uh, Jill Thompson is not doing the interiors because she does this amazing watercolor stuff. Uh, so we got a kind of a different artist. So it kind of feels like a different beast of burden. And so, like, here, we're getting a different story, so I'm trying not to let it bother me. Uh, this is a, a Really gross, over-the-top, uh, <laughs> cool story for Beast of Burden. Um, but I do miss my watercolors. And part of me is like, is are things cool with this creative team? Because she was there to help you create this. got to stop worrying about that. I'm sure and then it's if, fine. If they did something to Jill, I don't want to support this book because she like really helped make it what it is today. So they, like, you got to stop worrying about that. I'm sure it's fine. Okay, well, uh, I'm still worried about it. But uh, it's gross. It's creepy. It's dog saving the day. What's not to like? 
Agreed. It's creepy and it's kooky. It's all a little spooky. And now, oh Bliss number seven from Image Comics, written by Sean Lewis, art by Caitlin Yarsky. This is the second to last issue of this book as our main two characters finally face down the gods that they've been going after the entire series. Uh, this is a epic conclusion, and it's there's a twist at the end that I won't spoil, but... It leads into the fact that, yes, of course, there is one more issue. And, of course, it's the thing that they're going to need to deal with at the end. But I love how big and lyrical this is throughout. What about you, Pete? Yeah, epic is a great way to describe this. I mean, really unbelievable. The arts, like the real hero of this story, it, the paneling and the just. Uh, and it's also fun because it's like. Hey, we use famous people's likeness, and I don't know if they know about it yet, but we're going to continue to do it. Um, yeah, I, I, this is tripped out and amazing, and in all the right ways, the story is continues to be fantastic with all the twists and turns. I mean, every time I think I got a handle on this, there's another twist. So. It's impressive how they keep changing the story and it does, you don't feel like, oh, fuck you. Um, it's so great and the art's so unbelievable. It continues to be badass. Next up, Green Lantern number two from DC Comics, written by Jeffrey Thorne, art by Dexter Soy and Marco Santucci. So in the first issue of this book, I think... Right, right. One of the things that I liked, but also my criticism, was there were so many things going on, it was hard to figure out, okay, what is the plot of this book? And so many big things happened pretty much nonstop throughout it. It felt like it kept changing status quo every couple of pages. But it felt like, okay, it settled on what this book is about by the end. This issue, same thing. So many wild, enormous things happened throughout this book. I was like, what is happening here? And they're all... Good, but once I think I figured out where this is going to go, it completely swerves and completely changes the premise, which is insane. So I'm definitely on board. I'm really liking how wild this goes. I love where it ends up, but it's putting me in shaky territory because my question is, going into issue three, should I get attached to any of these characters? Should I get attached even to this premise of this book? Because who knows what's going to happen next? And that's, mind you, exciting when you're reading a book, but it's also nerve-wracking as well. What about you, Pete? And I know you're not the biggest Green Lantern fan around. Oh, thanks for pointing that out, Alex. No problem, Pete. It. Um, yeah, I, it is all over the place. Um, and, you know, that's kind of like, okay, typical Green Lantern stuff. But... Uh, amazing last panel. Um, love the kind of angry wheelchair villain kind of thing going on there. Uh, interesting to see what's going on with that. Um, yeah, John Stewart, definitely one of the top Green Lanterns. So I'm glad we're spending time <laughs> with John. Uh, so yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Green Lantern. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for your yeah. crack commentary. Moving on to Wind Number Six from Boob Studios, Wind. written by James Tyne in the fourth, art by Michael Dialinus. Dialinus, I think. In any case, this is continuing the Wind Saga. Uh, we did get some interesting input from Connor McCreary on the live show about. Uh, wind where he referred to his comic book as taking the wind model. And that yeah. certainly recontextualized how I looked at this as more the beginning of a second graphic novel versus an issue in and of itself. 
But that said, still a great fantasy book with some really dark elements. Here we're getting the sister vampire of our of the villain is going after our heroes. It's dark. It's weird. I'm excited for them. It's interesting. Um, I really love this book. What about you, Pete? I agree. I This book is fantastic. I've loved every issue. This continues to be uh, creative and the way it's kind of telling the story and uh, the way we kind of like spend time with different characters for different parts. Um, yeah, I'm very impressed with all the kind of stuff that's uh, that it's tackling and how we're kind of getting the story, which is nice as we get a little bit more kind of like backstory on our kind of main character as a kid. Um yeah, and, uh, you know, there's nothing scarier than that evil sister that nobody kind of trusts or, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, when she's doing stuff, when nobody's paying attention, you got to worry about that. So, yeah, I uh, I think this is scary, but the art makes it kind of, like, heartwarming. Uh, I This is a fantastic book. It continues to be badass. Next up, Fear Case number four from Dark Horse Comics, written by Matt Kent, art by Tyler and Hillary Jenkins. This is, I think, wrapping up Fear Case, at least for now. And we find out the origin of the fear-filled suitcase, what's going on with it. Pete, you've been a big fan of this book. How'd you feel about the wrap-up? I thought it was oh, creepy in all the right ways. Uh, this fucking case is... Oh, man. I, I, I used to... I would think it would be like really cool to like find a random suitcase on mm-hmm. the side of the road, but now I will never ever pick it up. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, that I suitcase had a million dollars in it, Pete. Yeah, Sorry. Well, guess what? I don't get a million dollars. Uh, I, yeah, this is also interesting. Like the paneling and like the kind of use of white space is very cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this is the scary ass suitcase, man. Uh, you know, if you see somebody with a suitcase, maybe don't trust them. Fair enough. Next up, Batman Fortnite. Zero point number two from DC Comics. Concept by Donald Mustard. Written by Christos Gage. Art by Riley Brown. I'll tell you what. We loved the first issue of this book. And the second issue of this book continues to go so much harder than it needs to go. Uh, it is emotional. It's well done. Yeah. The action is great. Focusing on Batman and Catwoman. If you didn't pick it up, basically Batman and Catwoman, and also as we find out later on, Harley Quinn, have essentially been trapped in Fortnite. They can't talk. They lose their memory every 22 minutes. Yeah. And in this issue, Batman has to figure out some way to try to get out of this trap with Catwoman. It's Awesome. I I am shocked how much I am liking this book. Yeah. It's crazy because, like, you know, I've played Fortnite a ton with my brother's kids, and it's yeah. like, what if somebody was like, I'm going to use Batman, but then went hard on Batman's story <laughs> if Batman got to Fortnite and had to kind of, like, actually be in this fucking weird-ass place with all these weird-ass roaming storms and shit. I, I was really impressed with how hard this went on that premise because it sounds like a what kind of idea but like it works like the uh the bat bat and cat stuff got me there's a moment where i was like oh my god uh but like oh man really fun i thought this was kind of like 
uh, kind of insane premise, but really impressed with uh, how well it's, it's uh, it works. Just to spoil one bit in it that was so funny and so well done is Batman and Catwoman keep finding each other through these storms, through these yeah. memory lapses, and they figure out how to slowly experiment, even though they're losing their memory every 22 minutes. They come on Harley Quinn and they're like, huh, there's something familiar about her. And then they see her doing the Fortnite dance, and they're like, oh, no, she's doing one of the dances she's lost. Yeah. Which, very funny, very, like, perfect Harley Quinn bit. Great. Okay. I I can't believe how good this comic is. It's yeah. bizarre. Last one, though. Dead Dog's Bite, number three from yes. Dark Horse Comics by Tyler Boss. We skipped the first issue of this book. Big mistake. Read the second issue. <laughs> loved it. Check it in here with the third one. Our main character is investigating a mystery, a disappearance, but this book is weird. It's fascinating. The way it's laid out is funny and strange and disturbing and interesting at the same time. This is an excellent book. Uh, I really can't say enough about it in terms of the way that it's laid out. The story is intriguing. There's a lot of magical realism in it as well, uh, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Pete? Uh, Yeah. It's uh, the last two issues of this have been like really impressive. We're kind of like, and also like this really tripped out beginning that like sets this tone of like, what's going on in all the right ways. Um, I, yeah. Art panel set up amazeballs main character kind of like trying to piece this stuff together. Fantastic. Love the whole library bit. Um, Oh man. Yeah, I super impressed with this book, super impressed with the storytelling. So worried about the main character and how she's going to get out of this, but so invested in this weird ass fucking book, man. I love it. It's so good. Definitely pick it up. And that is it for the stack. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Sure do. Come back out. We'd love to chat with you about comic yeah. books. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Virtual Comic Book Shop. Take care, everybody. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.